You can say it with emphasis, for it's ringing in millions of hearts all over the world tonight. That glad, glad news that we've been waiting for for years. And here it is. Here it is. To do this for like two hours and not record it. <laughs> it's bound to happen. It'll be like that serious Hendrix master that it was there, it was done, but we lost the tape. It was the perfect, it was the best episode ever. Speaking of best episode ever, welcome back to another podcast of Wood Aaron Metal. Adam Keeler, and that's Tim Mirth through the grateful, wonderful internet. I don't know why the internet was grateful. Cat memes or something. That's grateful. I'm really tired. But it's grateful for us being here. You're all very welcome. <laughs> Anyways, so, all right. So last week we started with what's the latest thing that I've been listening to and getting into. So let's switch roles. Listening to anything new and exciting or new and boring? I'm going to go backwards a little bit. And I, it's funny, I just posted about Facebook on it too, which was, I'm revisiting the album that got me into jazz. And the the story goes like this, basically. Um, when I was in, I was a teenager, a wee teenager. I had started playing guitar when I was 10-ish. And uh, I really, at the time, it's kind of funny. I, I started guitar not because of guitar players. I started guitar because I was curious about the guitar. So it wasn't like I heard Van Halen or something, and I was like, I gotta play guitar. I, I wasn't that wasn't my story. But anyway, I got into it, and then at first I started to get into like metal. This was like when the Metallica Black Album came out and Nirvana hit and all this stuff. This is like '91 ish when I started playing. You know, so it was just a, a wave of like guitar music. And so I started getting into all that. And eventually got into like really heavier metal stuff too. But my dad, um, he was always into like, I don't know what when I, what age it happened. But it was sometime when I was like really little. He started getting into like smooth jazz and stuff like that. And uh, he always had the Spyro Gyra albums and stuff. I, I could never bond with any of that music. Um, yeah. Though I've seen those bands because I eventually I, I'll go to any concert I like anything, and uh, anyway he had heard because he was into smooth jazz a lot of there's a lot of sax players in there, they had all said you know Coltrane's the greatest, you know so this is this is probably like ninety four ninety five something like that, and my dad's like okay I I need to go find a Coltrane album but this is this is really like pre internet I mean the internet sort of started. Um, you get your 15 minutes a month or whatever. (laughs) And, uh, but there was, there was no way to like find out information on it really. And anyway, so he went to the music store and he bought this Coltrane record and Coltrane has like 60 albums or something. So why he picked this one, I have no idea. I'm imagining if it was my dad, he probably just thought the album cover was cool, (laughs) but it's this John Coltrane album. It's called the African Brass Sessions is the, and he got the, in 95 or so they they put out so it must have been around then they put out 
Um, maybe that's why, because it was probably like a new release. I never thought about that till now. It's probably like the the new like reissue release. They did this um, complete African Brass Sessions thing, which is like an album you never talk about um, in the jazz world, really. Or it's you don't hear a lot. Well, I say that, but then I put this Facebook post up. Anyway, my dad heard it the first time, and he never really listened to like let's say real jazz. Um, and just it just floored him. Like the album totally floored him. And uh, he tried to get me to listen to it at first, and I was like, no way, because I was thinking. I don't like jazz. Like, I don't like the smooth jazz stuff. Like, that's what I thought it was. Yeah, yeah. You know? And somehow, someway, I eventually did listen to it, and it floored me. Like, there's a song, Africa. There's only three songs on the album, actually. And it's just, like, the groove, man. It's, like, there's just, like, nasty, awesome groove that's going on. And, like, it, like, instantly nails you in. And it's actually, like, a very, like, modal... Um, it's during his like sort of modal phase, I mean, you know, upon reflection now, um, and it's pretty out there in a way, like it's kind of an out there album, but not knowing like a, anything about music really, you know, I was like a learning music at the time, learning guitar. Um, and then my dad really was very amateur musician too. Um, I don't know, just like it, it just floored us. So I've been like revisiting that album a little bit. The reason I think it's kind of funny, so I put a post on Facebook like, "Hey, this is why I got into this music." So, it's, and then I found out from a lot of people like that was like the first Coltrane record that like really floored them. Oh. I mean, even, even like some famous people, like it was that I had no idea. They're like, "Yeah, the um, Nels Klein, you know Nels Klein." Yeah, he played with Julie. I guess that he just like that was like his first. Coltrane record and he listened to it so much and then eventually uh, one guy uh, a friend of mine said he saw that um Nels eventually played with Reggie Workman who was the bass player and there's there, like it's all this like low E thing happening like an um, E over D minor chord thing in the African so he's like every time apparently every time you heard Reggie Workman playing an E he was just like Man, because he listened to that album so many times, it's like just hear, just hearing that sound. So anyway, really cool album. So if you if you're on the fence about jazz, I mean, you might have preconceptions of what it sounds like. I did, like I did, um, which I meet so many people that like as soon as you say jazz, they think like Kenny G or something. Oh, okay. Um, I was gonna say that, but go ahead. Yeah. So uh, if you if that's where you are with it and you're just like man nothing ever sounds very good or whatever or you like have this vision of it being um i don't know like in a movie like a silent movie kind of like jazz scene thing which is great stuff too but th this one if you can just put this record on sit back chill relax listen to it i, th I think you'll might suck you in it sucked apparently it sucked in lots of great musicians at this point there you go. So if you want to be a great musician, not like me, but like other people, you might want to listen to this album. <laughs> not to put that on then. Maybe but I, as far as new stuff, I, I've been so like into putting my thing out that I haven't had time to really find anything. Yep. I, I mean, it, it's, uh, if it wasn't for Apple Music suggestions right now, I wouldn't really move too much into different things. What were they listening to today? Podcasts today. It was a podcast day, so. What so. what podcast do you listen to? Uh, I've been going through this one called Janice. Janice? 
Tanis, T-A-N-I-S. It's like a serial, as in like a series. It's kind of like a this guy's inventing, investigating these lessons. It's interesting. You know, it keeps my attention. And when I have to drive, you know, I have a three-hour round trip. Yeah. So can, I need something to fill the time. And um, that's how I got hooked on, uh, hooked on the first season. And it uh, it was entertaining. It was good. Nothing like, oh, my God, I got to find out what happens next. But it's enough where it keeps the, the plot going. And uh, the, I just found out that the fifth season is done. And so I'm like, okay, sweet. You know, so it's like that. I was all caught up to the fifth season and then COVID hit. I didn't drive anymore. So I didn't do too right. many, uh, podcasting. I mean, I've, I've missed out on a lot of podcasts since then. So it was just like, eh. but uh, now it's uh, it's entertaining. It's good, kind of weird, you know, world traveling folklore, ancient history thing. No That's way cool. I, I love you know like the podcast world's kind of interesting because it's like somebody's doing something about like every yeah, topic you can I, think I, of. Yeah. Name it, it's there, you know. And there's somebody like obsessed and like really good at it. It's kind of cool. It is. It and that, I mean, there's that. There's the literal podcast serial, uh, lore, um, legends, you know, all that type of stuff. Those are all really interesting things. Yeah, lore is always interesting because it's like creepy American folklore stories and stuff like that. Well, not generally American, but mostly, and he does most of Western Europe as well, and uh, old folk tales and that are kind of horror-esque type of thing yeah but uh, it's just interesting you know sometimes cool. the alien thing but that's just the way that it goes that, that <laughs> reminds me of have we ever talked about coast to coast oh yeah, yeah we talked about coast to coast so if you're a, a musician that performs and you're you know it's not as much anymore i feel like the late gigs have died down a lot in the last 20 years but yeah, when uh when you used to do those gigs, you know, and you'd finish at two in the morning, and you got to drive home like forty-five minutes. There's this coast to coast. coast to I think coast it's coast to coast AM. AM. Man, what? Yeah. <laughs> if you need to stay awake, <laughs> and you just want like the weirdest thing you've ever heard in your life to listen oh, yeah. to, it's amazing. If, if you're not familiar with this show, yeah, like they talk like in in the host. I I remember I had Chris Harold with me once. I don't. And we were driving back as we, and I, I was like, "Man, you have to have you have to hear coast to coast." Yeah, yeah. And his comment was like, "Man, like I can't remember what they were talking about. It was, it was like ghosts or aliens or whatever it was." See, it can be and he was like, "The the host is amazing, mm -hmm. George Leary, I think's his name." No, it was Art Bell. What's that? Art Bell. No, I think it's George George O'Leary or something. I am absolutely certain it is Art Bell. Absolutely certain. I'll have to look it up, maybe. I, I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, you? look it up. But uh, either way, the 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 host is um, he's like he never makes anyone feel like weird or dumb. They could say the craziest thing you've ever heard. They'll say, uh, you know, there's elephant ghost in my backyard. I was right. Is Bell. Oh come on! Look up George something from coast to coast. Art Dory is now the host because Art Bell died. Okay, but it was George Nori. On how long's George? Or Art Bell? I mean, died like maybe ten years ago. Okay, so in the last ten years, I've still been George. I've had gigs, Adam, that were late in the last ten years. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe you don't. Maybe you do the six p.m. 
Oh, you know, he died on uh, uh, April 13th, 2018. Oh, okay. So, who knows? Either I way. wonder who it was then. I, I swear it was. Well, it doesn't matter. Maybe it was a co host, because it's still going on. So. Yeah, so it's great, though. He, like, never makes anyone feel weird. Like, they could say the most crazy thing ever. And it's like people who live in the core of the Earth. Yep. There's people who live on Mars. There's ghosts. It's just an amazing thing. So if you're ever late playing a gig and you need something to keep you awake, just go to the AM stations and see if you can find it. Because it always plays from, like, midnight-ish to oh, yeah. 4 in the morning or something, yeah. right? Yeah. So even, no matter what coast you're on, coast to coast, yep. it, it'll probably be on at your late gig. It's a good yeah, way to it, stay awake. It's really interesting. And Chris is right. The host makes everything with that because he just, you know, can. Oh, he's so good. He makes whoever is talking sound like it's the most important thing at the moment. Well, and then they, they sound like an expert too, right? Yeah. It makes them like expert. And it's not even just like he'll have guests every week pretty much. Mm-hmm. And there's multiple guests. Yeah. But there's also call-in people, and he's like, "So yeah, tell me what's going on," and they can they can even like say say they have a guest who's a paranormal psychologist or something, <laughs> and the person could call in and start talking about aliens, and he never is like, you know, well the the ghost the host here or the guest is yeah. about paranormal stuff. He'll just be like, "Oh, really?" So yeah, so you have aliens in your backyard. <laughs> <laughs> and they've they've been talking to your children and they speak through you to their through your dog <laughs> so you're saying that you don't understand how these buildings are built so ancient alien sorry just had to do it had to go with the big yeah guy. oh man it's amazing anyway that was a pro tip pro tip pro tip stay awake on the way home listen to coast to coast am yeah the only problem with that show is they they do have the, like the long commercial breaks. Yep, they're like seven minutes long. It's like oh, you so, can get them. You can get the classic episodes on podcast. Like you no, can. Get I don't know if I'm that devoted. <laughs> well, like you know, it's just like interesting, and then you can just fast forward through the the uh, advertisements and stuff. Like there that. you go. I kind of like the like live aspect of it, whether it's live or not, like terrestrial radio, radio. Yeah, that uh, those are the radio. Wow, that's going back. And speaking <laughs> of which, we have our pseudo first topic. I want to dive into All that right. Dave Grohl uh, comment. So uh, I saw it floating around Facebook. I think we probably saw it on the same guy's uh, thing. Jared uh, Lee's a phenomenal bass player. Yeah, actually, you, you sent it to me first, and then I didn't see it. Yeah, I play with Jared, our band Chroma Drive. You should check it out. Yeah, check it out. It's good stuff. But anyways, this will officially make this non-kid-friendly, as I'm going to read it without... <laughs> Go for it. Alright. So, he's going... This is his quote. David Gro- Dave Grohl from Nirvana... Who's David Grohl again? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'm, I'm filling everybody in, you know. It, 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 from Drummer from Nirvana, lead guy for... Uh, oh my god, I completely forgot. Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters, thank you. <laughs> it's, uh, like I said, I'm tired. A.K.A. Super Wealthy. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And creative. I mean, shoot. To, 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 oh, yeah. To, he did that Queens of the Stone Age thing, too. That was cool. Yeah. Anyway, so here we go. He goes, when I think about kids watching a TV show like American Idol or The Voice, then they think, oh, okay, that's how you become a musician. You stand in line for eight fucking hours with 800 people at a convention center, and then you sing your heart out for someone, and then they tell you it's not freaking good enough. Can you imagine? 
It's destroying the next generation of musicians. Musicians should go to a yard sale, buy an old fucking drum set, and get in the garage and just suck. And then get their friends to come in, and they'll suck too. And then they'll fucking start playing, and then they'll have the best time they've ever had in their lives. And then all of a sudden, they'll become Nirvana. Because that's exactly what happened with Nirvana. Just a bunch of guys that had some shitty old instrument, and they got together and started playing some noisy-ass shit. <laughs> and they became the biggest band in the world. That can happen again. You don't need a fucking computer, or the internet, or The Voice, or American Idol. Dash. Dave Grohl. So, on that note, yeah, the, I absolutely love the points. I think that uh, I, I like. I think we're both in agreement with this. But the whole idea of just getting famous by showing up and singing and getting "quote unquote" discovered is just like one. It's ridiculously naive. I mean, it happens on American Idol, but okay, uh, it doesn't happen in real life. And secondly, there are plenty of phenomenal people that never bother to step onto those things whatsoever. Sure, they're musicians. And the inst I think, like, the idea of the insta-fame from doing American Idol is such a garbage way to start your creative endeavors. It really is, because you, you immediately start under the thumb of somebody else's creative input. Like, everything that you do, ha like, the contract that these people have to sign, it's whatever. I mean, they're laughing all the way to the bank, so there's an easy counterpoint to that. And would I play for a, the, the band at American Idol? Hell yeah, I would. Um, <laughs> yes, take my money. But I think philosophically, it's like, you know, I really like his input on that. He's like, just get together and do it. Just do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the, the input from these other people, and you have to show up on this thing and get judged by America, quote unquote, because it's such a weird judgment thing. You're, you're, sure. you're competing against somebody else, which we've talked about that with competitions, but it's not even like the same genre, the same thing. It would happen to be like tweaking the audience that night and if you're it then you can hopefully maintain it but you always get kind of picked and you're always put into a pigeonhole box of a genre and that's kind of your thing and then eventually but, you might be able to break out so there's a little bit of a misunderstanding here though which is the people that win that show are good true I, i'm not implying that they aren't no but so to the point to that is none of those people were just like Oh, I was singing in my car one day and I decided to get in line and now I'm a superstar. Like, they work their butts off mm -hmm. prior to getting there. The, the, maybe the, like, view from the audience is like, oh, this person just sang at bars or whatever and, like, that's not a big deal. But, like, they had to do all that. They had to sing at the bar and take voice lessons and nobody who's won that show was just like, oh, all I ever did was sing in the shower. Like, <laughs> like they, the people that won that show have been singing forever. You know, like, they had to practice a lot. Mm -hmm. So it's not like they got... It's not like they were just, oh, I just born that way. I just was born singing. Well, you even... I mean, he skips over that in the quote, but yeah. I tend to go back to the whole thing of just, like... You know, he says it right in the beginning. You know, uh, okay, so this is how you become a musician. You stand in line for eight hours. <laughs> 800 people and kind of like take your shot at it that's sure. how you become a recognized musician in the sense of popularity things um but uh, i like the ending of it is it, you know it's like yeah. i had one student that said that they were really talented really good and still are um but they remarked that it's like yeah i just want to kind of like i want to get the famous thing going and I, that hurts <laughs> me like that immediately got under my skin. I was just 
Well, if I'm gonna keep, if we're gonna keep this non-PG rated, I would just like fuck fame, you know, <laughs> fuck that aim, and get good at your instrument, and then that'll follow. Like, put the time in now, and because if your aim is not at do- doing something well, you're never gonna get the other thing unless yeah. you, in, you're intentionally like that. Uh, uh, shebang, shebang guy, you know, <laughs> the American Idol. Um, the with that, you know, it's it's such a irritating setup, but that's not necessarily that kid's fault, it's because that's what they saw on TV, you know, it's like, and it, that just really irked me. And sure. there are and clearly anybody that makes it to the top of the game, regardless of whether we, and again, I think we talked about this before, whether about, um, they uh, are playing pop or if they're doing jazz or if they're doing whatever, they're working hard at it. Nobody just kind of like glides by and gets it done. Yeah. I might listen to that particular genre, but that doesn't mean that they're not in the studio for 16 hours a day trying to get tracks thing and falling asleep at this mixing board, waking <laughs> up and doing it, keep going. That's how anybody's successful at it. And sure. I think that's the other thing that irks me when people are like, well, this artist slept in their car. It's like, well, duh. Welcome to what we did when you toured. You know, it's like, boy, I could get a hotel and go deeper into debt, or I can sleep in my car and drive to the it's next. Free, uh, yeah, right. yeah, it's free, and you use a gas or a truck stop shower. You know, make sure you wear sandals and uh, <laughs> go to the next show. You know, that, that's that's what you do. That's what I did. That's just the way that it goes. And you you hopefully make enough money to keep the below your like emergency budget dip in and just keep coasting for a bit and then you get home and you're like yay i did a tour now i gotta go work so it's just that all my bills are behind yeah yeah exactly it's just part of the the routine there's not uh you're you're never gonna make it by buying the tour bus first you know yeah i guess well the only reason i mentioned the other thing is that it's still a skewed perception from anyone who watches that to think that the people never worked to get to those things. You know, um, my wife was telling me the other day, she watched the Nirvana, or she watched the Kurt Cobain documentary that his daughter made. Mm, um, I heard about that. Which was great, she said. And it, they didn't really, like, hang out on the death, but that he was, like, very depressed, like, most of his life, you know. And... Anyway, she was she was reflecting on a scene from her. Basically, Nirvana had that first album, Bleach. No one really noticed it. And then Nevermind was the one that sort of like oh. broke, right? Became like one of the biggest selling albums of all time. And uh, anyway, she, he had he brought it home before it was released, you know, and had her listen to it. And so she listened to it. She listened to the whole thing with some headphones on or whatever. And he, she said, apparently she came out and she was like, you're not ready for this, man. You're not ready for what's about to happen to you. Like, it's it's amazing. And you are not ready. Like, he never wanted the fame or whatever. And it's like, you just made something that's going to be one of the biggest things that ever existed, you know. And you're going to go from nobody to, you know, extremely famous overnight. So, is, I guess I'm bringing that up. Is 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 that really much different than the American Idol thing? You know, I mean, Nirvana hit. They went from basically nobodies to the mm-hmm. biggest band in the world overnight, um, and it's because of you know MTV and all kinds of other you know social cues and stuff that made that popular. We all got sick of the 
overly polished, you know, 80s rock whatever thing. Yeah. Oh, now, now we can't even show this video. It's going to get taken off. There we go. <laughs> so many copyright strikes and so much time. Yeah. Um, anyway, I, I, so it's kind of like, well, can you really knock American Idol in a way? They show this sort of like instant fame, but Nirvana had instant fame as soon as they put that out, basically. And because they got signed and it was the right timing and all these kind of things, like all these things sort of had to line up. Um I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of weird to think about a little bit. But. See, I don't think that they were. I think they were relatively unknown outside of the Seattle West Coast yeah. rock thing. But that doesn't mean that they weren't necessarily successful. Because I mean, if you get one album out under a major like semi-major label at, during that time, it wasn't the same type of musical atmosphere. Like you could, you could be moderately successful and like paying your bills and coasting off of that. Even sure. So, yeah, I, it's just funny. I re that reminds me. Like I remember the times when. Like, if you couldn't sell 10,000 albums, like, you you were basically, like, a crappy local band. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. But now, now you, like, major label artists don't send sell 10,000 albums. It's kind of funny. Exactly. And that's yeah. where I'm kind of, It's like that, the whole dynamic, the the pre- and post-Napster musical world is dramatically different. I sure. Mean, it just is. And it, good or bad, there's a lot of different arguments. And we can maybe go to that subject on a, on a, on a different thing but um i think overall like you know he they had the sustainability of that much where they went through their indie things released a major label release and then yeah. they had the, the follow-up with it and that kudos to them i'm not knocking any of the progress with that but i think that it's like a different type of overnight night success than yeah. american idol where it's like i don't know I mean, I haven't watched American Idol in forever. I, I, I can't remember the last time I watched it. Oh, it is, so, it is over like 16 weeks or something, right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I don't know. Which was probably slower than the rise of Nirvana once they got signed. But anyway. But uh, Yeah, and that's what I mean, though. It's like Nirvana, when they got signed, they had major label backing. So the question is, did the publicity push the album or did the album push the publicity? Or was it a com It's probably a combination of both. You know, clearly. There, mean, there's it, a lot of factors, right, that must have taken place. We, It really was, like, everyone got tired of... Like, I remember, wasn't it, like, months before that that, like, um, she's only 17 or something? Like, one of those songs came out, you know? It's like, she's cherry pie or something like that. That was what we came from. I think everyone just, like, hit a max of... Oh, yeah. Total cheese ball, like, rock, like, spandex, whatever, rock. Mm-hmm. It, it, and it, now it, you finally had somebody who was like real. It was like there's, there's a lot of like social cues or whatever that got us to that point too. That people were just tired of the tight jeans and the. Well, it's like a movement of music. I mean, it basically, you know, it's like you, you had the baroque swing to the classical era, where you had this highly structured counterpuntal stuff going to basically a mel melody and harmony. Yeah. And that was it. And then you know the classical swung to the romantic because they wanted to break a little bit more that box more elaborate harmonies and directions with thing and then the, the romantic gateway to serialism which really wrecked everything you know it's so like there's always been a response against the current prevailing yeah. styles of the days those um, took like you know 70 years or whatever yeah, and this took like, 10 years but yeah yeah but it's still it started shrinking you know it's if you go from like you know pre-renaissance music to where it was just vocalization and uh, antiphons and qu choir music to renaissance the renaissance of the baroque was a much smaller time 
And then the Baroque to the classical was like 70 years. And the classical to romantic was 50 or 60. And then the romantic to the serial was like 30. You sure. know, if you think the 1900s and 1930s when serialism took over and then serialism to, to iliotoric stuff and, uh, uh, you know, chance music to kind of push back against that. And then never was like, this is getting too stupid. Swing <laughs> back with the minimalist movement, you know, th that happened relatively quick. And then he had neoclassical, neo-baroque and everything else. And, and we're sitting in the, I think it's postmodern now or whatever. Um, Everything's modern when you're yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> when you're there, exactly. So I think that time's... As um, publications become... It compresses, what, is what you're saying, though. Yeah, I, I'm thinking that it kind of compresses that turnover because it doesn't have the same amount of travel time that it did before. Like, sure. somebody printing a book of music during the Baroque era to somebody putting a thing out online today is drastically faster spread. Do, don't you think a little bit, though, like... I, I keep wondering what's going to happen with the music scene right now. Because it feels like we're a little bit like back in the sort of 80s thing. Um, oh, yeah. I, I was just going to say. But it feels like we've been there about yeah. like 17 years, <laughs> you know, where the 80s thing only lasted nine years or something. Um, so I, I'm going to interject. I think that's also because now it's very easy to pick the music that you like and that's it. There's no radio dominance. Yeah. Like at all. But, I mean, it's out there, but it's like who really pays attention to that? I don't think I've checked the top 40 in 20 years. Ever since I got my first iPod, it was like yeah. top 41. I don't care. I have the music that I want to listen to enough for that and, and go off of the recommendations. Maybe it's type of my personality type or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> that, I, I was telling my daughter today that um, back in the day, you know, every weekend you'd go to the music store and buy a record or buy a CD or tape or whatever. And you never knew what it was going to be. Like you, you would get a recommendation. Somebody would say, check out this band or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And and you'd go there and there'd be seven different records. Like my dad buying the Coltrane thing. He's like, well, which one do I get? I don't know. This one looks pretty cool. Like you'd really literally do that. You'd be like, this looks cool. I like the cover. Especially when you were dealing with vinyl because like yeah. the cover was huge. It's like the artwork kind of. Really yeah. Like cool. you'd really, you'd really like, that's how you would judge it. And then, you know, because you couldn't listen to it before, it's not that uncommon that you would come home with a record that you didn't like the first time you listened to it. But the problem was that you spent your $17 on it or whatever. Yeah, that was it. And you weren't going to get a new another new one until the weekend because you didn't you had to work or school or whatever. So you were going to listen to that thing like 15 times in that period. And a lot of times you would you would hit a record like the first time you listen to it, like I just don't get this. It doesn't work for me. But I bought it, so I'm gonna listen to it again. And then by like the third time, you would be like, "Oh, huh, what's that?" And then you know you start to like it. Mm -hmm. And what, the John the the generation now, right? They 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 don't get that experience of learning to like something that they don't like initially. Or taking the time to get it past the initial aesthetic interaction. Yeah. I remember when Actung Baby came out. That's a glaring example for me. And it was like, it went from Joshua Tree and Rattle and Hum to Actung Baby. And it was like, what in the ever-living hell just happened to my band? You know, because like, they had one particular style, and then it was a complete revamp, like, out of left field, you know? And I remember getting that album being like, 
buy the right hand? Like, did I get did this beat to? Did I just read, read it, misread it or something? Like, what's going on? Um, and then it, it, you know, it obviously became the groundbreaking thing that it was. Yeah. And it, uh, but that was like one of those ex direct experiences where I just had to listen to it again and again, and then I decided to, okay, this is pretty cool. All right, I get it. Sure. You know, and, and getting into it, and that. Uh, but nowadays, you're absolutely right in terms of like if it's I don't like it, click. Yeah. Next. I mean, there's, there's no like I'll never. You're like I'll never listen to that again. Yeah, I'm not necessarily like that. You know, maybe that's kind of because we grew up in that other area. It's like I'll grab something and I'll at least give it a couple of listens before I decide that I just don't like it. You know, so yeah. I'm like, be like, nope, not going to do it. Like uh, to, to, to tie this back to the other episode, the Beach Boys. Uh, um, pet sounds. Pet sounds. Like my first listening to it, I was like, this is not my groove. Like I can appreciate <laughs> all the production stuff with it, but I'm just like, this is just not my style. Not at all. I'm just like, okay. And, but like after the third or fourth time, you know, it started with serious listening, like the headphones, the whole experience and everything yeah. else. And uh, I went on to go like, all right, let's throw it on the background, let's throw it on the car. Let's just get it going. Let's it, let this soak for a bit. Then I started to get into it. It's still not my first choice with anything, but I really started to enjoy it. You know, it's yeah. like, oh, man, it's so good. Or other the like the outtakes. Uh, ones and the smile his next album that is like mostly there. did you check out smile i haven't listened to it yet it's on the list i kind of got music listened out so i jumped on a podcast for a bit. <laughs> so. yeah the um smile is definitely interesting it's, it's it's worth the trip but maybe maybe you should listen to pet sounds a few more times and get it in your <laughs> bloodstream but it it does feel like the next generation of what was happening with Pet Sounds. So um, the problem is it never got finished. So there's just yeah. a lot of like sketches of ideas and you're like, oh man, that would have been so cool. <laughs> you know, like if, you, if you would have actually had the support to finish this, you know, that would have been great. So what do you think <clears throat> of, are the chances for Dave Grohl's final thing of like kids just getting together and playing music? And what happens. So totally all about that. I mean, and maybe that I'm biased because that's exactly what I did. Well, I don't know about it too, but what do you think of the chances of that actually being something where it's like no internet, nor nor computer or stuff like that, and they say forget the voice of American Idol and kind of make it in a grassroots type of way? Sure, like, I think I think I think that's all possible. I don't think there's any way to do it without the computer, or the internet necessarily. I'm not saying you have to go to a stream. I don't know. You know, like man, I struggle with that. I, like, how do you promote a show? Like, I there's no other outlook. I know enough musicians who have zero, like, completely zero internet presence. Unless somebody took a video of them or something and posted it without their consent. And they just don't know because they're not on the internet. Who have really good gigs <laughs> and are well-respected much more than me. Um... Maybe people on the internet don't know them as much, but the venues know them. The people that hire them to be in their bands that tour around the world know them. You know, so I I don't know if that it's really necessary. So some, sometimes I'm like, is it is it even worth the time to to do the internet thing? Um, so I, I think it's possible. I guess. It, I, it's kind of almost like if you're good enough in a 
and you're playing with the right people, you'll get all kinds of opportunities. Yeah. And I don't think the internet dictates that. No, it, it, that is for sure. I mean, the only thing that, that will dictate with that is a matter of people talking to each other via text message or whatever. You know, I, Facebook Messenger being like, oh, yeah, you want this? This is how you hire this guy. You know, uh, yeah, I mean, like, we were talking to Brandon, right? And he was talking about his instructor giving him gigs, mm-hmm. right? Even if Brandon was never on the internet, he would have got those gigs because he was a good student, you know, was playing well. And those are probably good gigs because the professor, you know, as like a professor who had good gigs, that was yeah. sharing those gigs. And no matter what you do on the internet, you're never going to get those gigs. <laughs> the only way you're getting those gigs is if you study with that guy and you happen to be friends with them and they give you that gig. So th- there's that whole other side of networking that, um, I don't know. I don't think it's necessary. Before yeah, I, be, before sorry. I forget, oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, I, go ahead. I didn't have anything. To I was going to kind of change subjects. Slight, slight, well, same subject, but um, we were kind of talking about this when we were chatting about whether we talk about the Dave Grohl thing, which is, you know, it, it's not so unoften when I play a gig or something, somebody will come up and say, oh, you're so talented or some, you know, some kind of thing like that. And the, and they're like, oh, I, you know, I tried playing guitar, but I was horrible at it. <laughs> it's like... Well, yeah, well, so was I, you know, so was I when I started and I still am, but, um, <laughs> so, that, all right. but I, I mean, it's like, there's this misconception, regardless of the American Idol thing, I think that people just assume that musicians are born or something. Mm-hmm. And it's such a misconception. Like, I really don't like that word talent. People say, I agree. I, I think it's, I it, mean, it, it's all work ethic. To be blunt, I mean, yeah. it's a matter of how much they're going to spend on the instrument. It, there's clearly advantages to being born into a musical family because they can give you the equipment in the sense of the language a lot yeah. faster than not. But that being said, if you're dedicated enough to it, you're going to grow as a musician and, and keep going. Like, I haven't yeah. uh, met anybody that... What's it, how do I put this the most succinctly? Every single one of my students that have gotten an A has just done the work. Sure. That's it. You know, they, they, they put the work in and whenever they tend to be, especially at a collegiate level, if they're falling behind, you know, it frustrates me because I don't think that anybody is non-musically talented. It's just a matter of how much time you're putting into it. That's it. Right. And I think that goes across the board with a lot of, <clears throat> a lot of like maybe being a linebacker, which I clearly will never be. <laughs> no matter how hard I try, it ain't going to happen. Um, so it, uh, but outside of that, you know, it, um, there are certain levels and certain skills in most fields. I think that if you're, you have enough dedication to, you can hit it. That's it. You just, but how much is it going to cost you? Because there's other stuff you could be doing. You know, and sure, those guys sure. that gave up on the instrument, so to speak, um, were just like, I, it's, it's so many multifaceted reasons why they just quit and thought that they sucked. You know, if they played the instrument once a week and didn't see any improvement, it's like, well, you're not going to, you know, or even <laughs> if they just kind of noodled every couple of days. Yeah, I, I'm know? wondering, I was thinking now just like when I started playing and probably when you started playing, it's like you, you did something and you were like... You know, just to do that the first time or something. For some people, they say, well, that doesn't even sound like music. 
Like, yeah. To me, it was like, I can do it. Like that, to me, yeah, to us, it was like, yeah. holy moly, like, what did I just do? Like, wait, 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 wait. Oh, you know, like, it was like, that was like, oh my gosh, that was the most amazing thing ever. Where some people would look at that and they go, well, that doesn't even sound good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think I've heard my kids say that. They're like, oh, I tried it, but it doesn't even sound good. It's like, well, that's maybe that's not, <laughs> not going to be your thing. And on this weird side note, that's one of the things, like, with when I was studying with Pierre, because everybody would ask, like, well, what about your son? You know, does he play? Like, he plays piano a little bit, but otherwise, he he's like, I don't want to yeah. play guitar. Like, yeah, sure. That's a that's an interesting way to put it. And then you have just to kind of keep this little tie in with what we mentioned, Kenny G's son has like this crazy shred metal band. That's actually, oh, right. It was like I kind of forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, they was like, that's great. I, I really like the album. Um, you know, it was more of like one of those uh, train wreck curiosities of like, that's going on over there? Tra- wait, Kenny G. Sun just came out with a metal album? This, right. this I got to see. And But it was legit. It was, it was totally legit. It was great. Um, and I can't remember what the heck it, it was called. Either way. Um, because that was like years ago when that came out. Yeah, sure. But, I remember that. Uh, kinda, yeah. You know, it just kind of goes like, you know, the... the Artists, kids may not exactly follow in their footsteps and become the next great artist thing, but whatever. I, I wouldn't want to force them into it. I'd expect them to at least give it a good try, but you know, <laughs> whichever. The, um, yeah, I guess. I'm, yeah, I'm at the point where it's if they're not crazy about it, then I know it's not going to work anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's like, and I can't. If, if if the worst thing you could do is a parent and be like, you you will be crazy about this. You know, it's like well, that guaranteed to backfire. I'm going to take the other cards. I don't think that's guaranteed to backfire. That's it. It's a weird combination because that's how some of these childhood prodigies go. Their parents just... Yeah, yeah but a lot, I mean, how many of those childhood prodigies play after they're like 18 years old? That, that's what I was just said. It's like, that's also might be why they quit. But it also depends <laughs> on what level that they get to. You know, if they start yeah. seeing a paycheck, they're going to be like, eh, maybe this isn't such a bad idea. You know, maybe I'm glad that like that like not in the sense of like uh, um having a three-year-old sobbing at the piano keys because they didn't practice for three hours a day um but it's, it's such a interesting gray area of where you push the, the drive to get them to the next thing and not let themselves themselves short and whether or not you're crushing something else that they're really interested in and want to be flourishing in so it's a it's a yeah really i mean i think i think when it works out though it's like they they were the one they would have been obsessed anyway like they would have been obsessed with music you just happened to pick the right thing (laughs) and you forced them to do it but you didn't really ever have to force those kids like they wanted to do it anyway Mm -hmm. you know um and i think like it seems to me too like you see a lot of times where it's like the seventh kid (laughs) is the one that's the musician because you know like they tried with the the first six kids (laughs) and like it just didn't stick Yep. But that seventh one was like, oh, why is there 17 guitars in the house? <laughs> yeah. Oh, you tried this with Jimmy and Johnny and Jacob, and they, like none of them liked it. <laughs> well, Celine Dion, strangely enough, and I just caught this because of some documentary on her, uh, is a 14th kid. 14th. <laughs> and she made it. So they at least tried 13 Yeah, right. Times, That's right. You know? <laughs> it's, it's like, all yeah. right, well, whatever. It's, it's, it's clearly worked for, out for her. Actually, that'd be interesting to know how many first children do it. 
and getting a little bit of psychology here and you're not the are you the first child yeah okay well my situation is weird i'm the first child in my parents marriage yeah my dad had two others before me okay another marriage maybe that changes the rule so first children tend to be more pampered right um (laughs) they get a little bit more attention at first oh yeah Um, yeah, they get uh they always get everything first or whatever and then and then also they tend to be like probably more responsible maybe i'm not a first child (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna say the pampering thing no (laughs) definitely not well maybe at first though so what happens though right is the youngest ends up getting like the most pampered right wherever that is um but like I, I tend to see like first children often like very risk averse um and all these kind of things maybe maybe this is generalizing too much yeah but, i don't think i'm risk averse i was heavily into rock climbing mm-hmm. so <laughs> i enjoyed that and i still want to skydive i just can't so <laughs> um or maybe i'm trying to i'm trying to think of the right words maybe risk averse isn't the right one but I don't know, i'd be curious to see like you see a lot of times, though, like I said, like the seventh child, the fifth child, the third child, whatever, become the musician. And I think a lot of that is like their older brother or sister or whatever was kind of into it. And you, you hear about these stories all the time where they're like, oh, they were listening to Led Zeppelin or they yeah. they brought in Hendrix or whatever. And I was like, that was the coolest thing ever because they had this like big brother that was showing them stuff. In one and, sense, I have a reverse story on that. Yeah. Like for me, it was uh, my younger brother started playing, so I had to start to play. Like I couldn't uh-huh. learn something that I couldn't. So yeah, there, there was a competition thing there. Yeah. There was a competition there. Interesting. Absolutely. And uh, it was kind of like a reverse, but I still think that you're absolutely right, and that plays into it. Like having an older sibling, or even a younger sibling. You know, and we were close enough in age where we we were we didn't go to the same high school, but that age gap was small. I mean it was two years and then he started to do it and then I noticed that people were kind of I want to say that, I that people were kind of paying attention to him yeah and I was like no 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 <laughs> no how, how yeah. old were you when you started uh 14 okay ish right now that's going to be like the, the um the one in my head that stuck for the longest time is 14 and maybe 13. I can't really remember. You know, that's going back way late, longer than I want to say. You, so. you know, it's funny. It's funny that you say it the way you did, because I could almost imagine my older brother doing what you did, but he didn't. Maybe that's because we only had one guitar or something. But uh, I remember we took piano lessons when we were younger and I hated it because it was so competitive. It was always like, I did better than you. And like, between, it's like, oh, I'm three books ahead of you or, you know, whatever. It was like, I always just felt like that. And I just despised it. Um, and I think if my older brother would have started playing, probably it wouldn't, it would have been a, a negative thing for me. Yeah. It, it's stepping in your space. It was like, oh, this, this was kind of my thing. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think too, like, Maybe it's a rowdy like middle middle child second child thing where the rules are less applied mm-hmm. <laughs> or or less less um but also a little bit more like stubborn and uh 
willing to take some pain to keep up with your bigger brothers kind of thing. Um, there's there's like an element of pain you have to be willing to take to play music. And it's not just yeah. like physical pain. It's also like the the emotional, mental anguish you have to deal with when somebody hates what you did or tells you you're horrible. Mm-hmm. You have to get past those kind of things. Or even yeah. yourself, like even yourself thinking you're horrible. You have to say, well, I'm horrible, but that just means I need to work on it more. <laughs> Instead of saying, well, I'm horrible, I don't even bother. Like, let's throw this yeah. thing out. That's um, why I work. <laughs> take my frustration on the weights. I don't know. It's interesting. I don't know. I'm not articulating it very well, maybe, but... No, everything makes sense what you said. I think, like, fundamentally, you're right in that weird sibling competition that happens. Even if it's not a direct competition, there's still something going on in terms of birth order and how that plays into the personality types and how those personality types attack certain things that make them unique. You know, like, you could even say, like, that age is where kids tend to strike out and be on their own, try to find their own identity, you know, and it happened to be around a guitar at that time. Yeah. And uh, Aaron, uh, my brother, was definitely, like, more in the singer-songwriter type of thing. And I was more in the you can do that with this. I'm going to try and do that. You know, sure. it, it, trying to, to push. So, it so does he still play? No, not at all. Like he'll still he can still pick up a guitar and strum through songs and sing and play. And he's got a great voice. But like in terms of anything more than strumming chords, no. You know, where I was like within a year and a half, I was doing note for note Satriani stuff, trying to, to, to imitate all that and, and get as many of the tab books that I could and learn the tracks and just soak up as much as possible. Yeah. Uh, and part of it was just to show off and part of it was just because I, I did like it and I still do enjoy Satriani. It was funny, like when I was tracking a, a solo for that uh, thing for the game, you know, I listened back to it. And I'm like, holy crap. That is definitely some sash stuff coming out. <laughs> you know, like totally there it is. It's like, whatever. It's different, you know, and I, it, it obviously, you know, but it's like, if I were going to pick, who was my big influence? Oh, that's who. You know, <laughs> it, it, it's clearly there. And that's just the way that it is, you know. Um, I'm not going to, I think I'm mature enough in my musical journey right now to be like, that's just the way, that's just my voice and I like your guitar. That's it. Sure, I'd love to do something Vias or Sean Lane or crazy shred picking or whatever, but it's just not what comes out. Right. Okay, that's fine. You know, I'm I'm happy with it. I don't think it's neg- negatively impacting where I'm at stylistically. Though, to- yeah, I think when you well, you you have to hone in on your particular thing, right? Which is classical guitar or nylon yeah. string guitar. Um, yeah, so it's like you got to pick. You can't you can't be good at everything. So you got to pick your battles sometimes, right? Yes, exactly. You know, it's like I can hold my own relatively well on electric guitar probably not anywhere in the same room as like you or brandon uh especially around anything that's changing relatively quick but that's just because i had to pick and i picked and uh, i like where i'm at with nylon string and sitting there pouring over a score and getting working on the single phrase for hours rather than you know working around chord changes but uh, that's great you know wait i mean you're talking the person who tried to do like try to do classical and jazz and you just you can only get so good if you do that, I think. You, you'd really limit your... Unless you're Antoine Boyer. <laughs> in which case, it's like... Though, there's a, so many parallels in the way that he plays those styles that I don't think it's as big of a stretch as it seems, maybe, sometimes. I, 
actually agree with you just about completely on that. Like yeah. I, just seeing the way that, like in terms of the, the concepts of balance of voices, uh, tone control, execution right. of the lines, you know, keeping things going. It's like, there's a lot of crossover with that. Yeah. No, he's smart. Yeah. So, smart the way he plays it. Yep. So, oh, and he's incredible. Obviously, I'm not. This is not a knock on him at all because he's unbelievable. Yeah, he's ridiculous again. Yeah. And uh, it, it, even with that video that you sent me today about like you know my five. Oh, the Scarlatti thing. Yeah, I mean, I saw that because I started out with him doing like the Sound of Silence arrangement, which was absolutely brilliant. And then it's like, oh, he plays Scarlatti. I'm like, well, let's see how he does. And I was just like, oh well. Damn it. <laughs> oh man, it was clean. It's really clean. Oh, yeah, it was perfect. You know, it was absolutely well done. You know, all the stuff where you can tell when certain guys are faking classical guitar. Yeah. This was not faked at all. Yeah, it was cool. You know what I noticed about his take on it, and even just that little bit of time, is that, that it, I don't want to say it swung, but it grooved. Yes, absolutely. In, in the right way. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, you don't hear that a lot in the classical world, you know. No, not at all. And only only from the best people, right? And that's like, man, he has that thing. Yeah, well, it's like I saw this this pretty well-renowned classical player do an interpretation of Autumn Leaves, and I was like, perhaps next time you can remove the broom from <laughs> where it's currently located and get a little bit of a groove or a swing and get some life into that. You know, it was a decent arrangement, and it was technically difficult, but it was one of the most lifeless interpretations <laughs> I've ever heard. Yeah, and you, you do, unfortunately, hear that. And, um, and it, it's amount. really it's like kind of the reverse like you know in one sense seeing like a, a rock guy try to play Bach on a classical guitar and then just oh yeah that's like, so bad <laughs> hit the notes mostly you right. know and, and this was the reverse it was a classical guy trying to do this jazz thing and I was like well you also hit the notes mostly there's a little bit more to that and it uh, it was definitely this uh, you know clearly showed that some people are just in one world and that's it yeah you know, i think like warrior is going to be another dns absolutely like it, well i guess I, I haven't really heard what he's written or not but it's interesting no, it, it's, 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 it, written pieces are fantastic are like, it, it, he has this thing going on uh that he releases like every week on sound slides of these counterpoints of the day oh like nice. those are literally he does one every day that he writes and it's like you are you kidding me <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> it, it, it's so good. So stinking good. Well, I think, you know, a lot of the, uh, it's not just guitar that has that problem too. You know, classical piano and other instruments, mm-hmm. there's a lot of like lifeless interpretations of pieces. Oh, like yeah. technically they're correct. The timing is right, but they sound like a computer did it. And uh, I think sometimes like when I heard the Scarlatti, I was like, well, yeah, cause that's a dance. Like it's supposed to be a dance, but <laughs> But you play it in a way. If you don't play it that way, you know, like if you play the notes right, and it's very technical, and I know it's hard to play, but it's it's kind of like a lot of those things are actually were meant to be dances. Um, Some of them. Carlani was mostly sonatas. Like he wasn't like Alamon Carant or a suite. Mm. That I'm gonna kind of interject a little bit just because I'm like. I have to justify this degree. <gasps> Charging it. Well, I guess does a sonata imply that it, it wouldn't be a dance? No, and that's where I was going to temper what I was saying. It doesn't necessarily yeah. imply that. But it was all harpsichord stuff. So in terms of dynamic stuff that Boyer was doing, it, they just weren't. It wasn't available. Like a harpsichord has zero dynamics. Yeah, sure. 
so it was all consistently plucked at the same thing. So there was a lot more rolling and slight, very slight syncopation of syncopation is the wrong word, um, splitting of a chord in order to get certain voices to stay at, out in the front because right. it was all evenly weighted. Um, so seeing him take the liberties, which they really are on the guitar, comparative to what the original instrument was, is what kind of like shows that he really understood the harmonics that the Lottie was doing and what it was implying and how, because it, it was just like perfect dynamic stuff to me perfectly. Yeah, sure. Which again was the most frustrating thing to watch. It's like, well, God, just stop for the love of God. Let me have some small smidgen of space here. But it's like, nope, no. can't get rid of that. You know, give that up. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> which also has me curious about like getting into like really to maybe taking a summer and getting into gypsy jazz and really get, kind of getting into the fundamentals of that and uh, playing it because it's like, I wonder how much crossover because the picking technique to me is something that I really want to get with you know it's like satch's stuff in one sense is in the legato holdsworthian type of style i mean holds yeah. 10 times better no offense to satriani but that's uh that's just, just the world that holdsworth cr created i mean the guy was absolutely incredible so most of my stylistic stuff is you know not straight picking in a consistently quick way i can pull it out every then and again but it's definitely not as uh, that reminds me so that's uh, my buddy has that streetwise guitar channel okay. and he he and he interviewed antoine oh and wow. um they talk about his picking style and he, and he talks about how like the gypsy world it's mostly downstrokes um and it's in they're almost like rest strokes yeah. So yeah. even even when you go up an arpeggio, it's always upstrokes. You know, it's not it's not down or whatever. Okay. So those kind of things like um there's a very like specific ways that you play with that style. <laughs> and obviously it works. Yeah, it does. They also you can see like their arms more are like this sort of position too. So there's there's, there's really interesting like it's, there's almost like a full world of like pedagogy that doesn't exist yeah. in so much other guitar music, but there is in the gypsy jazz world of like yeah. how you do everything. You know, how would you? Yeah, I did it for a little bit because I had a student that was interested in it, so I brushed up and like swallow as much information as possible to just be competent at it at yeah. that time. You know, and then when they stopped, it was like, okay, I'm going to back to, you know, specialty. And that's sure. a, that was a piece of advice that uh, one of my teachers gave me. He's just like, learn the pieces your students are playing. Don't ever assign something that you're not going to at least play through. Oh, yeah, sure. And it's like, I mean, that, that makes sense, even if it's a sight-readable piece, because it just helps you to be completely aware of what they're going through, you know, in any way, shape, yeah. or form. And that makes like, sense. It's just part of that so i do it's like it, part of my practice routine is going through all the pieces that my students are playing you know except for this past weekend where i was you still using a chainsaw you know, <laughs> lots of bodies to get rid of i mean lots trees. of wind a few weeks ago man yep exactly much tons of wind good lord but we're it's, yeah we're almost done with all the all that almost. so anyways um back to more specific topic things because i do like to keep track yeah um, we got that, and then we had the whole, let's end with the discussion on musical preferences by personality type. That I found super interesting, but half of me was like, is this just kind of like pseudoscience? 
Like, I can't yeah, see. It felt really pseudoscience. So I found an article today. I sent it to um, Adam, and it, if I think about it, I'll put it in the yeah uh, the description here. But um, it was like the 16... Basically, they were implying that they thought that musical styles that people preferred really didn't have anything with your personality type. But upon re- further reflection and, and further studies, they're finding that the type of music you listen to actually does have a say on um, what your personality type was. And there were 16 personality types. And I guess I'm assuming you could probably be a little bit of a few different ones, maybe or something. But uh, it would be like, you know, rock music means that you like this and country music means you like that or you're like this kind of person. Um, what what kind of annoyed me, and then I'll let you talk, is uh, there were just so many like cliche things. Like there's something like, I think it was like in the metal one, they're like, you're the logitician and that's because, and you like bands like Tool because their music's so, you know, like odd time signatures and they're logical. And, <laughs> and I was like, well, that just seems like, you just make that up? Like, if I was going to just make up... <laughs> apparently, yeah. people who like Logic like bands like Tool and Rush and Dream Theater <laughs> or something. <laughs> it's like, um, and it was like... And, and there was something about... Oh, if you are if you like pop music, you might be an entertainment type person. Because yeah. you like the flamboyant, like, entertainment stuff. Uh-huh. It's like... Did you just, like, say, well, you know, if you like pop music, then you obviously like to be the center of stage. So... Yeah, it, it just was felt a little bit too uh, cliche. Now, now perhaps, though, because um, you have to be skeptical of everyone, including yourself, perhaps um, we are that simple, and that is just the way it is. Like, oh, you like, oh, there was like a jazz one, like, you like to improvise, but you also know that it's important to be a master of your instrument, which means you like to improvise in regular life, but also be an expert at your subject. <laughs> it's like, like, well... Duh. <laughs> there is no improvisation without mastery. That's, that's as simple as that. It's, it's, it's but it, yeah, it was just it was so cliche. Sorry, I'll let you go. No, I I completely agree. It's very cliche. But I'm also wondering if that happened to be just because of the the website and the layout. Because the thing that had me go, well, that might actually there might be a little bit to it, is because like the debaters, which is what uh, I took this personality test recently, uh, um, because one of my students is a counselor. And so they were like, oh, do you find yourself being like this type of thing? You know, this friendly banter and stuff like that. And uh, I was like, nah, kind of, but not really. And I'm like, all right, fine. I'll just take this test and get it done and whatever. Um, because I've done like the Ngram thing. And it's like, oh, you were the, you're the, what was I? The, uh, is that the one with like your G57Q? There's, isn't there like four letters or something? Like, no, that, that's a different one. That's okay. A, uh, that's the one that you sent me. The Enneagram is kind of a, a different type of personality test, but it's like I was uh, the outlaw. That's what was my personality test. Okay. You know, it's like you like to function on the fringes and kind of push things out there, but you can just get along enough to be functional in society with everybody else, but you really don't. But I'm like, because, you know, Julie made me do it. It's <laughs> this type of thing. And I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. Um, and I, it, uh, I was like, yeah, that definitely sounds like me. Like the, yeah. the answer, like yeah, totally. I'm, I'm very much fringe on some things and whatever. You know, it's not like I'm trying to break a mold to be unique. It's just like, yeah, just leave me alone. <laughs> that, that, that's what. So, I mean. so what, what, what music are you supposed to like, Adam? 
Oh, that's what I was getting into. On this thing, when I took this test, uh, I came up with like the my personality type was the ENTP, the debater. You know, it's like, oh, that definitely sounds like me. <laughs> definitely. Uh, but they said like 76% of de debaters and it says like for debaters, the intellectual challenge of comprehending the complex tonal structures of classical music may be a key part of their enjoyment to the form. Check. Uh, and everything else, the debaters might particularly love those composers who push orchestral music in strange directions, even at the risk of unsettling an audience, such as Stravinsky or Cage. Huge, huge Cage fan. Stravinsky, I like what he did, but it got something that'll turn on. Interesting. Yeah, like, like, oh, I love I Stravinsky. Like, yeah. I mean, it's he's like, one of my favorites. It's like, yeah. like I love John Cage. I love I love his writing. I think it's fantastic. You know, really, really cool stuff. Uh, Stravinsky, I just it's not that I never really gave it. I think. I never really gave it the chance in, other, in the same level that I listened to other particular guys. Yeah. Uh, so I'll have to maybe spend more time with that because of heat. I know the Rite of Springs is super popular, but it is like the most perfect oh, no, piece of music. It's yeah, so good. Why it's so good. It's freaking classic. There's like nothing wrong with that piece. It's like perfect. <laughs> there's not many pieces I can think of like that. Yep. And that's not even probably his best stuff. So that's amazing. Anyway. And I believe that Stravinsky closed. Somebody asked him when inter, inter, inspiration strikes. He's like at nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> he's like, and it, it. But his point was that like I'm not sitting there and just all of a sudden oh, I have to write. He's like I'm up and writing at nine o'clock from nine to noon. That's my writing time. That's it. Right. You know, sit down and I just do it. And I, I love. And that's kind of like my philosophy when I'm teaching students. I'm like, you're never going to be inspired to play. You might be, but that that's going to burn out so quick. You you never going to know it's going to bite. Just you have to just pick a time, and that's what I'm doing it. And even when you don't want to do it, you do it anyways. And eventually, you'll enjoy it any, regardless of how you feel. And that's the point. Yeah. Um, anyways, so that, just to go back to the personalities thing, I thought that was that was one of the things that goes. All right, I'll sell you on that one because it was also like the hard rock and metal. With it, it's like. That's pretty much all that I listen to, you know, <laughs> like classical metal. And, you know, I, I like some electronica stuff, but I, I don't necessarily like it's not like always on. And I like. Uh... <laughs> Was that uh, round midnight? <laughs> that... No, I should. But... I mean, shoot, we're getting copyright struck <laughs> like crazy right now. So might as well. Um, you know, I don't really throw on the. Uh... Like the alternative stuff, much at all. It's not that I, I dislike it, but I don't really find that. Would much you alternative. consider acting baby alternative? When it came out, yeah, absolutely. I'm just curious. Like absolutely, when it came out, but nowadays it's kind of post. Well, it was such a trendsetter that it, everything's kind of like following after it. Yeah, in, in my opinion. Um, but I, I kind of like. I can see this lining up, you know, but I'd have to meet other people that fell into the personality things. Maybe you should just do this uh, test and see what you come up with. And uh, we can see it. Well, how did you do the test? You just read through them? Because I just read through them. There was a test? There's a test. Uh, it's free. You just go in there. I mean, I'm looking at, oh, it saved my test. I logged in. Holy crap. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> also, there is a test. Interesting. Yeah, there is a test. It's so I was thinking, you know, I I just read through all of it, you know, quickly, but was so no, I was like, it probably doesn't apply to musicians because like music, like most musicians I know will listen to just about anything. So it's like I I like everything really. I don't even know the the only things I struggle with are like 
pop country and smooth jazz. <laughs> but pretty much everything else I like. So I'm like, I don't even know. And it's sort of like a day-by-day thing. Like sometimes I feel like I want to listen to pop music. Sometimes I feel like I want to listen to atonal classical music with knocks on the wall or whatever, you know. In other, in other days it's death metal. Like it's really all over the place. So I'm not sure how I'd answer it. It would change daily, I would think. But I don't know. No, I agree. I, I generally, my stuff will change almost daily, but I don't think it really changes too much stylistically. Though that's also why I jumped onto podcasts is because I was kind of getting bored to death of listening to the same albums again and again, <laughs> which I thoroughly liked. And I found the one thing that was interesting is that I would start that Thrackle album again because I I probably listened to that I don't even know at least a hundred times by now. Yeah, but it's such a good album that once it starts, man, I gotta finish it. It's just like yeah, let's keep going through the whole thing. And it's only 20 minutes long, you know, but it just, yeah. to me, it's like the guitar tone is fantastic. You know, the the prog writing is just great. It grooves well. You know, it's a great use of chordal stuff. And it's just like, yeah, that's cool. And it just hooks me right from the beginning. And that's it. I just got to listen to the whole Interesting. thing. Interesting. Man, I'm We're such a different talking. listener than that. I... Yeah. It, that's a, that's what I mean. It's like, I, I um, it's just a click. That's it. You know, I'm listening to the album. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely do that, but it's very, lim- like, it's the third time, then I'm done for six months, you know, or a year or five years before I, I ever listen to it again. I don't have this, like, the repeat listen to stuff, really, I just don't do it very much. Well, no, not in a row. I don't think I've ever done that. I mean, not in a row. I mean, but just, like, over the last month, have I listened to the same album more than a couple times? Probably not. Probably. Absolutely for me. Like right now, I gotta. In fact, I, I gotta get a hold of this guy because I, I I need another hit. Um, he, he's, uh, he just got his album is done and it's getting published in uh, a couple of months. And I got a preview of it, so I listened through it and it was great. Like I really liked it. Oh, the Thrakel one? No, there's no. yeah, something else. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, it's like. I have when I wake up and the songs are running through my head. That's usually a good sign. Uh, so it's just like, dang it! Now I got to hear it again. You know, so I, I got to ask for permissions to go to the Dropbox and you know, <laughs> to listen to it again. And it was great because it was also like Hi-Fi Masters. So nice. it, like, all the detail is that. Yeah, sure. I honestly noticed about YouTube and its music. Like when you're watching a music video, the sound quality is superb if you're on your computer. It's hmm. like. The detail is huge because I would listen to the same song in my iTunes library and none of the detail would be there. Right. Which is like, what the hell, man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I paid for this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I, I started down the rabbit hole of like, can I get higher quality masters and Apple Music? And I think that you can on your computer, but I, I everything is running great for my software and I am not jumping up another... Iteration. <laughs> my uh, my iTunes. It, I still have iTunes. That's what I'm. I'm sitting on Mojave, and then in the next one up from Mojave, I think it was Big. Not Big Sur is the latest. So whatever the Catalina changes it to Apple Music rather than mm. iTunes. They just that, and I'm like, I I'm not moving. It, it everything's working. I don't want to look at my computer software update button. You know, I don't want to see it. I don't know what's gonna do. Um, 
So, anyways, but yeah, the sixteen personalities thing. I, it was interesting. Some of it sounds pseudoscience-y. It clearly does. It maybe it's just the yeah. writing and my sensitivity to pseudoscientific garbage, uh, trying to make itself seem valid when it's not. Um, and personality tests always generally piss me off. Period. Because I'm like, well, it honestly depends on the situation. Like, I'm never going to be yeah, right. always that. So, if you're saying that's my personality, it's like, well, it's, it's kind of no <laughs> it's not because and maybe that's just a debater personality but it's like you know would you do in this are you somewhat likely more likely and i'm like well it honestly depends on the context <laughs> right know? yeah you didn't I, ask a very good succinct question yeah yeah and, and even then it's like well you know would you use a knife to cut x it's like well what am i cutting and what for a steak sure you know a piece of bread no, I wouldn't use a steak knife. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm having a poor time explaining or Not a hard time. I'm just explaining it terribly. But um, it's just the, the questions are asked that are so potentially situational that I can't do, just take it at face value. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering. So we take these tests, you know, this, for jobs and all kinds of things, right? Um, and then you get your personality type and apparently that's supposed to tell you a little bit how to interact with other people and maybe highlights whether you'll be leadership material one day or something. But has there been any test on the on the outcomes of those? Like, okay, so you did this and these ten people, these hundred people did this personality test and then you said, okay, well these three have potential to be good leaders. Did they end up becoming good leaders? Yeah, these yeah. did they, were these three happy did they end up quitting like uh, what was the whatever state you were in before is a state improved now because you did this personality test mm -hmm. you never seem that's to awesome. see those results yeah and there's also the assumption that you know personalities don't have some validity to it like you know if you're, if you're tapping right. the test at this particular thing at this age that's the way you're going to be forever and it's like, mm, no, that's, that's just not true. You know, there's some, it's, maybe there are some things underlying that are always going to be particularly driven in you towards a particular thing. And it yeah. doesn't mean that overall personality isn't. Because musical tastes change. Like, if I played the stuff that I listen to now to my 14-year-old self, I would have been like, what the hell is that? Yeah, sure. And, and that's just uh, their maturity factor goes into that. Um, you know, I... I've, right now, I can't see myself not ever enjoying classical music for the rest of my life. Yeah, sure. That's so that. vast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's the other thing, too. It's, it's huge. And maybe that's also because of the crazy amount of availability that I have now. You know, if I was stuck with having to buy an album every single time, I think it would be limiting to what I would listen to with that. Uh, and stuck is the wrong way to put it. You know, it's like it's, the only way to buy something would be to buy it. That's what I do. That's what I do with bands that I like. Or it's uh, yeah right. It's like I'll go to Bandcamp and pay for it. Fine, done. You know, it, it, that's it. But um, and even then, you do get a little bit of a sense of what the album's going to sound like. True. It's uh, <laughs> as you're putting out your preview. Speaking of which, so yeah, yeah, have your little preview thing coming out, and that'll be a, a little taste of. Well, of course, the way that your album is is it's a preview that it's an album. <laughs> I don't think your album. <laughs> not everything is going to be remotely in the same mold as a track that you're going to release so, which is great you know it's all it's all over the place in the best way possible yeah i was i was trying to i'm, I'm curious i've had pretty positive feedback on the um the teaser thing 
and but it's like that section doesn't sound like a lot pretty much any other part of it but there's enough variety in that like 25 seconds that i'm hoping that that the indication that somebody hears it is like okay well i this album goes a lot of places <laughs> and if you have that frame of mind then you're in a good spot i think <laughs> that that would be a great review. This album goes a lot of places. <laughs> so, yeah, but yeah, so that's uh, that's that. All right. Well, I'm gonna get off here so I can take that personality test. Oh yeah, I'll send you the link. And uh, I'll say you love country and religious music. <laughs> yeah, I saw that category. I know. CEOs listen to religious music. Really? <laughs> Why do I find that extraordinarily difficult to believe? Yeah. <laughs> that, that, uh, I mean, I, well, that was the personality type, right? That wasn't a CEO necessarily. Is that? Oh, really? Maybe I read that wrong. So, I saw that too. I, I was thinking that, that that can't be right, but yeah, maybe. If, yeah, because it took me a while to find my personality. I'm scrolling down and so on. Yeah. So, hopefully I'll be a CEO. <laughs> there you go. All I listen to is Amp. Oh. Does, I wonder if... Does Bach and List and Coltrane and Meshuggah, does that also count as religious music? Well, Run DMC? You're more apt to have a religious experience listening to those than to religious music <laughs> just at, uh, to be blunt I'm, I'm just gonna say it there it is <laughs> you know the thing i know the oh my gosh i probably shouldn't go here but the <laughs> oh come on we're already the, the thing that bothers me about a lot of the like religious thing and it's sort of like the total um record label deal yeah i remember when i was in high school i had a couple people that i played with they were you know, very religious and they weren't allowed to listen to like Nirvana and stuff like that. But the Christian record label that they were allowed to listen to had a band that sounded like Nirvana. They talked about Jesus and they had a band that sounded like Cannibal Corpse, but it was Jesus. And I was like, this seems disingenuous. Like it's like we steal this style and then we change the words. And it was, it was very like explicitly a stolen style. Um, It wasn't like, just those bands happened to sound like that. They were like intentionally made to sound like we need a band that sounds exactly like Pantera, but good lyrics, you know, good lyrics. Yes. Good ho- yeah. No, dude, that's exactly what it is. And that's, that's horrible. I, I hate that disingenuousness. Like certainly there are bands that could be very religious that are very um, innovative and they do yeah, their own thing. And I have no, that's amazing. And I would love, I will listen to that any day. And that's my point. It's like I'd be right there with you with that. But when you see this, uh, what's the way to put it? Separate brand, but same taste. Yeah. Like it, you know, it's like it. it it's uh, the it's the cheap cereal knockoff right. of Walmart. It's, a, <laughs> it's McDonald's, not McDonald's. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. You know, and it's like just you can't just do your own thing. It's got to be let's use a stamp on it and call it piece of stuff. It drives me personally insane, but that's, yeah. uh, that's why I, it's like, I, I just can't do you it. You didn't like that band with Christ Cobain in it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I hope you're joking, but I don't know. <laughs> like, uh, I, I hope I'm joking, too. I actually don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Good lord, I, I, I don't think you you legit are, but it, like you might be joking, but I, there probably is something like exactly like yeah, I know. Like you know, it's. Uh, I, I remember, <laughs> man. Since I'm going down, I remember this. I was at the gas station and somebody handed me a pamphlet, and she's like, "Hey, this is to help kids, you know, that need food or something." And I'm like, "Oh, sure, I'll take it." But then it was like a Jehovah Witness thing. And I was like, have you talked to Jesus lately? And I'm thinking like, you know, you would have gotten a lot further if you said, hey, I'm I'm with this church and I really like it and I think it's good and I feel safe and whatever there. Here, here's a pamphlet about it. You don't have to read it. It's cool. You know, like, just, be, just be genuine with me. Don't say like, this is to help kids who like don't have their families or whatever it was, you know. It's like, <laughs> it's like the tracks that look like a hundred dollar bill and you open it and it's like Jesus loves you. It's like clearly he doesn't. Yeah. Bill. Like, <laughs> is that that's the way you get people is through like <laughs> lies and <laughs> just be just be genuine. I, I I don't have any issue with the religion. you know, like yeah. there's no problem. You can be religious, but just be genuine about it. Yep. And that's not, that's pretty much it. The genuineness is there. I mean, I can't think of like, I, for myself, it's like you come from Bach and the, the quote unquote high church stuff, which to me, I, I, Bach is clearly I'm a, a Uber fan. Yeah. But, uh, it, uh, then you look at where things are now and it's like, oof, what happened to you? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you're not even trying anymore. Um, well, and it's, I mean, a friend of mine who is pretty religious, and I, I can't remember if it was Bach or Beethoven or Liszt or some. It was somebody like that. I think it was Bach though. And it was like, imagine if you thought every piece you were putting out was like being judged by God. Like, how good would you make that piece? You know. Yeah. And it's like that's a pretty good motivation. Like, I'm not religious, but I could imagine. Like, I can like get in my head and understand that concept. Like, okay, that. Would you would you put out that one song you know that wasn't so good you didn't quite finish yet and like you probably wouldn't you would say I need to rework that until it's good enough for some all powerful thing to yeah exactly so and, I yeah. I think there's that some really great things can come out of that you know that's an interesting like thought experiment yeah it's but, like yeah you're you're right though like how did that go from that to some <laughs> of the things you hear today maybe yeah. they think that it's the same thing I'm not sure I don't I, I hope I I hope not hope not <laughs> I, I sincerely or, hope not yeah or it's like uh, or the or they never listened to something like bach because it would they, seem like well once there's bach out there like if i want to make a mark and have the powerful one notice me in a sense that i'm doing good i should probably try to do a little bit better than that you know maybe not better but at least as good right like you would that, well, that's part of maybe that's part of my particular problem is you know diving into his shoes it is crazy every single time I play it because there's always yeah. something new some other nuance that just goes up and it's like you've got to be kidding me like this guy thought like this on a daily basis sure it lived and breathed it and I'm I've spent well I probably spent 15 years diving into classical as a specific discipline and I'm always finding new stuff Right. You know, I remember that's one thing that Steve taught me when I was getting lessons with Bach. He's like, you could be studying this fugue for 20 years and you're going to find something new. <laughs> yeah, that's going to change. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it's it, and it does. It, it like uh, some little nuances. It's like, whoa, I had no idea that this voice was appearing this way throughout the piece, you know, and just random things. But it's all interconnected. It's like, and it's intentional. Right. You know, it's, that, it's almost it, like you can't see it until you worked on it for a while, and mm-hmm. then, uh, and it's like you then you see one thing, and then once you figure that thing out, in a sense. And you've you've learned it now. That's like this other thing pops up, and then this other thing pops up. It's like yeah, yeah. Oh, it's like mastering. You fix one thing, and then like oh, I didn't fixing that makes this do this. Oh boy, you know. Yeah, now I need to fix that. Yeah, yeah, and kind of tweak it. But that's a that's the beauty of playing some Bach. It's great like that. Sure, it's fun and makes me want to quit (laughs) at times. When you when you play, is it great? When you play it great, there's nothing better. It's just like you're the king of the world. Even when you play it mediocre. But when you just can't get the notes out, it's like, uh That's... I did start learning uh, a couple of years. It's been like a year or two. Some of the cello suites on viola. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I should revisit that. I haven't played viola merely in a while. I, definitely... I, I love that sound, though. It's like it's such a great yeah. sound. Yeah. I definitely like the viola compared to the violin. Maybe it's just because of it, where it sits uh, on the spectrum of like hertz. It's just a lower end, right. lower end to it, um, you know, than the violin. Though, like listening to a Bach's violin works on violin, especially on a period instrument, that's really wild. The, that's, yeah, the Bach sonata stuff on the violin is mm-hmm. it's beautiful, it's stunning. It, it is, and that's why it's still around. You know? Yeah. I wonder how much. That's the other thing. It's like, for as big as Nirvana was, will they be there? Will we be talking about them in another hundred years? They probably will be. Well, the Foo Fighters probably not, right? It's like I don't know. I mean, it's, it seems like there's some bands that will probably should call it here, but yeah, like we, I feel like there's some bands that are probably safe to be around for the next hundred years at least, like the Beatles, Led Zeppelin, Nirvana. There's probably a few other ones, but there's not that many that are at that sort of like so not, not only just like musically like known but like there was very big social cues with them you know especially the beatles and nirvana really right there's not yeah. many bands quite as like big of an impact on the whole like social world as those two maybe in a lot of ways mm-hmm. um so it's hard to imagine they disappear i don't i don't think that'll happen or at least not in the hundred years. Yeah, I mean, it, it also the, 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 one of the factors that I was just thinking about is like, you know, accent. <laughs> there it is. That's not a copyright strike because he's been dead for a long time. Oh, dude, I had somebody try to copyright strike me playing a Bach piece, and they're like, somebody claimed a copyright, and I just disputed it, and I put, it's Bach. <laughs> you know, it's like it, it, the guy's been dead for to, what seven, 16th? 1750 so at least 200 and some odd or yeah, right. years it's like 270 or something i like love that. though that copyright though yeah yeah no kidding you know maybe somebody from his family can come out and be like i'm box great 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 grandchild <laughs> though the side note there has been a bach doing music in a court since like 10 1400 is when we have the first official record of a Bach being a court musician. Nice. Like it went down to the family. Like everybody was a musician hmm. handed down again and again and again and again. So that I thought, thought was very fascinating. It's like, wow. 
And then, it, you know, you figure it, he's a Kwisat Sadarak of, uh, of musicians just kind of like being bred to do that. And eventually, you know, yeah, sure. a generation down the line, there he is, Maldiv. But he he wasn't actually that famous when he was doing it, though, right? It wasn't until like Mozart and Beethoven, like maybe I don't know if it was Beethoven, but uh, definitely Mozart like called him out as being great, and then Mozart was popular. So he then was, he was well known, but he wasn't like because Haydn was the guy that was was or handled, right? Haydn probably it's probably Haydn that would have been well. You mean Handel was popular? Is what you're saying? At the same time period as Bach. Yeah, that would have been Handel, yeah. Yeah, so Handel and Bach, like, Handel was definitely, like, the pop star. Like, everybody knew who he was. And yeah. His stuff was all over the place. Bach was known, but he didn't. He never got even close to the same level. Right. Uh, and then as his stuff got rediscovered is that, like, everybody was like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> you know, uh, studying the counterpuntal, counterpuntal stuff. Yeah, it's kind of like Mozart and then eventually, like, Wagner, right? I think Wagner was the one who really, like, propelled it to like today's status it was schubert schubert okay but is that time around that time yeah so, and they're contempt I think so, but it's, it's kind of funny though because it took like 150 years to become like bach is god that didn't happen like at the time he was alive it took like 100 years later and i think part of that i do i mean just because it'd be another huge rabbit hole but part of that is because some of the stuff that he was doing wasn't done again for another couple hundred years like you know the guy was yeah. using nine chords and everything like that that just wasn't done and then all of a sudden you know when those guys started doing the writing they started to incorporate that and was like oh there it is in Bach it's right there he's using it you know well ahead and you can literally see that you know you can see those things in Bach but they, they're just oof everywhere else well then like Mozart has great um, counterpoint but then after Mozart the counterpoint kind of died Oh yeah. Until oh, Wagner, you know, time time periods, it's like you had this <laughs> sort of lost an art form for a while. Yep, absolutely. absolutely. But man, it's funny. I think we were we were talking. Oh gosh, we're just so off topic now. But <laughs> we were talking about that talk talk <laughs> book or whatever the Ernest Ernest talk. Yeah. And uh, I don't think I realized how good Mozart's um, counterpoint was until he was highlighting it in that book. And then I went and started listening to all kinds of stuff, and I'm like, holy moly. Good God. Yeah, like, it's it's really good. So, Because there's a lot of Mozart that doesn't really have it. Yep. See, it's really, I mean, and there's so, he's, he was so prolific. There's just so many pieces, even for, like, a 27-year-old or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever. He's like, I probably, it's, 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 it's like God, he put out so much stuff. So you could easily listen to, like, 10 hours of Mozart and never hear... Yeah. any of it but then when you actually do find it you're like wow he was yeah, a master at it in the symphonies like that's where you see that they, yeah like, how many symphonies you had like 50 symphonies uh, i don't know off the top of my head it's like it is like 40 or 50 symphonies yeah it's up, yeah oh yeah yeah because it's a jupiter one definitely has it that's like the huge explosion of counterpoint yeah it's just, it's just, what the heck just yeah. happened you know uh yeah once you're in the right frame of mind mozart's kind of funny that way yeah yeah, well, as uh, my buddy, Ke well, you know, Kevin, uh, he's like, Mozart is one of those composers that, like, suddenly got extraordinarily interesting in his writing, and then he died. <laughs> you know, it's just like, you finally... Well, there, there's, like, there's moments, though, right? Like, yeah, absolutely. And it's absolutely. And that's... There's, there's moments throughout, but yeah, right at the end, that, that Requiem's incredible. Oh, God, that, that's absolutely sublime. Like, just unbelievable. Yeah. So, 
But yeah, there, there's only like moments before that. And I think a lot of it too is like when he when he writes in major, it just it comes off a certain way. It's good, but it's kind of like okay, you you kind of once you've heard it, you heard his little tricks, and you kind of like hear him a lot. But when he actually, which he did sort of rarely in more like minor stuff, it's so it's so good, and you can hear the Bach influence and stuff too. But it's like he's awesome. He was awesome. Yep. Yeah, all all those guys are good because they're they were good. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they were legit. You know, it's like a, a Beethoven was phenomenal. He was causing guys to literally leave town after he, competing against right. him. It's like, yep, I quit. That's it. This I'm moving somewhere else where Beethoven is not around. It's <laughs> destroyed. It. And I mean, you're just reading how he dismantled them. It's just it's so funny. You know, he, he's like, you know, they play each other their pieces and they give each other subjects to improvise on. And then he would take the subject that the guy has, you know, you do his improvisation, then flip it upside down and write an entire sonata on the spot with the, the theme upside down. You know, it's just like, really? Like, who, who does that? And sure. it, 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 a whole different level. Anyways. Yeah. We different should, time okay we should call it yeah we keep calling it but we know all right thanks for listening if you this far if, if you yeah. a, a thumbs up from us at least congratulations enjoy the background talking of me and tim on the funny trails at the end so. that's right <laughs> peace peace